Welcome to the Improv in Practice podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Wilson, bringing you interviews, inspiration, and information on improvised theater with Synergy Theater. You can find Synergy Theater's classes, workshops, performances, and more at synergytheater.com. That's S-Y-N-E-R-G-Y theater.com. Okay, lights down, curtain up. Hey there, it's Sarah, and this is episode two. It is May 5th, 2021, as I record this. Ya Feng Wang and Geraldine Carolan are fellow improvisers and friends. They are students of Synergy Theater's Masterclass, How to Improvise a Full-Length Play, taught by Ken Adams and based on his book of the same name. We talk about how they found improv, what they find challenging, and the importance of inclusivity. We also talk about how creating safe spaces for improv practice allows improvisers at all levels to be their best improv selves. I loved my chat with Geraldine and Wong. They are brave, funny, and inspiring. Look for Geraldine in Synergy Theater's online shows as a guest performer. Okay, on to the interview. Thank you for being here and taking the time. Geraldine, I'd like to start with you. How did you find improv? I found improv through a friend of mine, Frank, that I went to college with. Um, After we finished college, we went our separate ways to different parts of the world, but he joined an improv class and kept going on about it and go on about it and go on about it some more. And I was like, oh, my God. okay, that's that's a lot about the same thing and didn't really pay any heed to it. And he had mentioned the words yes and. And I was like, I have no idea what that means. But, um, you know, be supportive to your friend. That's great. And then I was living in the U.S. for quite a while and financially didn't have a lot of extra cash to go and do things outside my home. So when my circumstances changed, I was sitting there trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Something outside the house that I could meet people. And I just started hearing Frank telling me about improv in my head. And I was like, okay, I'll look that up. So I looked up some classes in the Bay Area and I took um, an improv class, a dropping class at Leela in uh, 2018. So I'm not doing improv that long. So that's when I first went to an improv class. What words did Frank use that enticed you and, and stuck in your memory? Just sheer joy. Like he really, really seemed to be having a lot of fun. And he's somebody I got on very well with in college. And we would joke and laugh about silly things. And he was just a lot of fun. So I felt like if he thought this was something interesting, it was worth a try. (laughs) What were your first thoughts going in to improv? Did you have any expectations? I had no expectations. Now, this is the funny thing. I'd actually watched Who's Linus at any way, but never kind of really thought of it being improv. Um, I had I had no idea what to expect. I just went in and thought, I'm getting out of the house without my child for the first time in a long time. <laughs> that, that was it. I just went in blind, had no idea what to expect. Oh, wow. That's really brave. Uh, so you sign up for this class and you go. And you're happy to be out of the house on your own, like an adult. And you take the first few steps toward the door. And what were your first impressions? Wow, that's a lot of people. And, oh, I feel kind of old because, I mean, I'm 44. So I like 
I didn't find improv till my 40s. The majority of the people in the room were younger than me. And then it was everybody just started introducing themselves and it felt very welcoming. I was like, this is nice. I like this. Do you remember any of the games that you played that first time? We played Pass the Clap. That was fun. And we played a few other games that I can't remember off the top of my head. And Honestly, then we we played some game where everybody walks around and then eventually different people take the lead and you copy things, the sounds that people make. I remember like about halfway through, I felt very overwhelmed and I actually went home after the break because I had gone from not being able to go out much to an improv class as my first thing I tried to do. (laughs) So it was just like, whoa, a lot of people a lot of stuff, a lot of risks. And I just felt, I, I felt like I, I, I wasn't able when I went home. So it stretched you right from the start. Well, you went back. Why? Uh, I was in this kind of sign up thing. So I did um, Peace Ambassador where you kind of help with crowd control for um, the March for Our Lives, um, you know, for better gun control in the US. Um, the weekend after that, and I ended up telling a person I ended up chatting to quite a lot about it. And by the end of the March, I was resolved to go back and do more. I was just like, no, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to try again. So I went back a second time. And then I became a regular at drop-ins in Leela to the point where I would walk into the room and everyone would know me. That's how often I went to drop-in classes. Do you remember the first time it clicked for you, what you were doing, um, that feeling of excitement? and suspense in a scene. Do you remember that? I remember in one of my level one class, we did an interview scene where the teacher interviewed us. Um, I had like Diana Brown at Leela for level one. And she does this and in, she interviewed you and you're a different character. And I just felt really at home and very comfortable doing it. And I felt like I did a good job and I felt like I connected with the audience. And it was just a really lovely feeling. And how did you get from Leela to Synergy Theater? Oh, that's an interesting one. So I've actually taken all the levels at Leela uh, and levels two through five at Endgames. I've taken some classes at Moment Improv Theater. And all the while, I've looked up different theaters in the area. And of course, I'd heard about Ken because of the story spine. He gets mentioned a lot in improv classes. And I had looked up the website for Synergy for about a year or so, maybe longer, before I actually got the opportunity to take a class. And that was because of the pandemic. Essentially, because the classes went online and I didn't have to worry about traffic and distance, I was finally able to take the the master class. Plus, I'd had enough experience that I was, you know, able to say, hey, I've all this experience. Am I experienced enough to take your master class? And he said, yeah. So that's kind of how I eventually got there. How would you describe the masterclass? It's my happy place. I love it. Oh, my God. I I mean, I think of all the classes I've taken ever, it's my favorite. And that's not because I'm on a podcast. I just really, really love it. I mean, it's very grounded, but it's also you can also be comedic. You can also be absurd. I think it's the one place where you see like grounded scenes done in a way that incorporate all the other aspects of improv. And it's so much fun fun and like I love the way like Ken teaches you to build on your ideas and move the story forward and it it made a lot of things that I was struggling with and improv click for me. Could you talk a little bit more about 
those challenges that you were facing? It's building on your partner's ideas um, and then moving the story forward. So like heightening in the sense of game, I always found like, you know, a game has a pattern and there's always strict rules. But when you're in a narrative format, moving the story forward was always very, I found that very difficult. People who are good at that seem to get plot. And in Ken's class, I learned you don't need to understand plot so much as understand what the question is, what's your objective, what you want. So like he says in the class, what's the question of the play? Is this person going to move away? Or are they going to stay? And then you decide what your character wants. Does your character want that person to move away or stay? And then you, your whole rest of the play is just driven by whichever side of that one you're on. And it made it very simple and very easy to figure out that you would heighten the scene by adding something that would promote your objective. So the masterclass builds on the three rules of improv, which are be spontaneous, make your partner look good, and build on your partner's ideas, as you were talking about. How do you decide, Geraldine, if the question of the play is, will this person move away? How do you decide which which side are you on? Well, I would decide which side I'm on based on which is the most interesting um, projected story if you have an idea that's nice and juicy and will create more kind of tension as opposed to one that creates less tension then you're probably going to want to go with the one with more tension because you want to make the story juicy and interesting for the audience so I would choose based on that and also based on what other characters do so like like building on your partner's ideas if if there's X amount of people on one side of the question of the play and it makes sense that the play needs somebody else to be on the other side of that question, then I will take the place to be on the other side of that question because that's what will help the play. That's what will build on my partner's ideas and that's what will move the story forward. So it really depends in the moment for me anyway. So what have you learned about telling a good story through this masterclass? Less is more. (laughs) You do not need to keep talking. Be succinct. You don't always have to be talking. You build on your partner's ideas. You react to your partner's ideas. You don't just sit there and go, yeah, that's nice that you're leaving me. You get emotionally involved. You get emotionally invested. You don't need to worry about the whole plot of the play. If you know what your objective is, then everything else will be, um, will be just so easy. And if you're there supporting your scene partner and making offers that move the play forward, the play will move forward. And it's really, really, really fun. How do you stop yourself from overthinking your next move or what you should be doing and just have fun? I still struggle with that. I, I would be lying if I said I didn't. I, th- I think overthinking is one of my my things that I definitely do in improv. And one of the things that helps, especially in the masterclass, for example, is that trusting your scene partners makes it a lot easier to trust yourself as well in a strange way and let go and just have fun. If you know that your scene partners have your back and they're going to build on your ideas, then you're not going to worry about your choice near as much but I still overthink I mean I try to just keep it to one thing at a time and just simplify 
don't have a whole big plan going in, have a want and say a line and keep it at that. Have you found that the pursuit of storytelling and improvised theater, it's more of a team sport than you thought at first? No, I always thought it was a team sport. <laughs> I, I, I genuinely did. I mean, I always, I, I was taught from when I started improv that improv, the responsibility fell on everybody's shoulders and, and the joy falls on everybody's shoulders. And if you have a good show, everyone had a good show. But that, I mean, that's the way Leela teaches improv. So uh, that's, that's what I am. Um, having said that, at the same time, I realized I was finally in a team because I was terrible at sports growing up. And at some point I went, oh, oh, this is what it's like to be on a team. It's not a sports team, but it's a different sort of team. I've never had this experience. I've never understood this. And I like it a lot and I want more. How are you going to use what you're learning here? Hopefully to do a load of improvised plays in the future. I really, really love, 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 love the style that Ken teaches it's it's really gratifying and it's really fun and the people that I've met in the classes have been wonderful supportive and amazing improvisers and really kind and like the diversity in the classes it's just something really beautiful about it and I I want an opportunity in the future to improvise a full-length play on a real-life stage that's that's the dream and I would like to do that many times over and explore different ways and, and get better at it and learn more about it because I'm I'm very like I'm early on learning this sort of style. So I would like to just keep learning and growing and do more and more of it. How have you found that this is affecting you outside of class and then also your sense of creativity? Well, outside of class, when I finish um, synergy class every Friday, my husband remarks how happy I am, like every week. <laughs> so outside of class, it has made me really, really happy. I feel very much like it's an area of improv that really speaks to me. Um, creatively, it, it's really helped me trust myself more and slow down and and realize that you can move the scene forward without like thinking of heightening in the sense of game, but thinking of heightening as the next small step that you build with your partner. I mean, you can heighten with your partner where you build a little bit and they build on your bit. So it's not, you know, it's not you thinking of one big outlandish thing to move it. It's a gradual kind of roller coaster to the end or something. And what would you say to people now with all of your experience about improv? It makes me really happy. You should try it. <laughs> Like the biggest and best thing about improv is the community. The people I've met and the friends I've met since I started improv are by far better than any other aspect. I've met the kindest, nicest, most supportive people who are just funny and act like big kids and you can just be silly and goofy with them. And it's really a beautiful thing. And it's an amazing community, especially like. I mean, I, I went from being a stay-at-home parent to especially as a kid, having no one, no friends in my life because I was so isolated to having like a wealth of um, people and community. So I, I, I recommend it to anybody. And also like 
performing is just it's just so much fun. It really is. I mean, it's absolutely a beautiful thing. Well, does Frank know? Yes, he does. <laughs> absolutely. Frank knows. Frank is delighted. <laughs> um, yes, he does. He knows. <laughs> Wong, do you have any questions for Geraldine? Uh, I want to ask if Geraldine, if you have um, like any moments in either a show or a class that kind of brings you joy. Do you remember any of those uh, memories that you can share? I I, I think um, I think sometimes times when you just really connect with your scene partner. So I did a class in I think it was at Leela, where it was when we started on Zoom early on and. I did a, uh, I did a scene with Brian, who I used to be in a troupe with, and we did a whole thing where we're moving an amp and one of us sits on it. And at, at some point during the scene, I forgot that we were doing it virtually. And it felt like we were really in the same room. And with the pandemic and all the lack of connection, it was just such a, a very special moment to me. Wang, I have some questions for you. You ready? Uh, sure. Okay. So how did you find your way to the masterclass with Geraldine? Uh, she recommended the class to me. I think she recommended it a couple of times and eventually I just did some search on like, what is this theater? What, what is this class? So that's why I ended up taking it. She was your Frank? <laughs> you can say that. Okay. So what did she say that made you think to yourself, um, well, maybe I could give that a try. I actually, I don't remember exactly what she said. It was a very glowing kind of a recommendation, similar to what she just said in the same vein, but with uh, not as detailed. At that point, I already, I think, improvised with Geraldine for a while. We were in the same leader troupe for, for some time. We took some classes together. So uh, I trusted her judgment, and I wasn't wrong about that. How do you hope to use what you're learning? Uh, as in life, you mean? <laughs> yes, it can be outside of the class, or do you have an idea of like where you want to take what you're learning? Do you want to write? Do you want to perform? Yeah, I'll just throw out a couple of ideas. So in one of the classes that I took, the instructor, Ari, um, he gave me some notes. And one of the notes was he was saying, well, you were, you were very inclined to point out the emotions of your partner. Like you look this, you look like you are having this emotion. But when it comes to your own emotion, you're very coil. You don't like to name your own emotion. And then he said, well, to really understand the character you are playing, you need to show a little more. Um, you need to basically put down your social mask a little bit and just show your emotion a little more. And that really struck me. And because uh, that's not just how I play in scenes. It's also sometimes how I behave in real life. And there, there, there are some situations where I thought, well, I, I do need to put down my social mask sometimes to really connect with people, uh, especially people I care about. So that was kind of a life lesson for me. And, uh, and this wasn't the only kind of life lesson moments I had. So I thought this type of training is very valuable, even outside of the context of, you know, playing and theater. 
how does the the class environment with Geraldine and with Ken help to bring that out in you? Well, first is playing with the group of my favorite people. Geraldine was in it. Uh, my friend Aran was in it, and then Luis Ritchie was in it. Uh, also, these are super awesome people, super awesome improvisers. I just enjoy playing with them. And being able to do that also frees me up a little more. You know, I can play more vulnerable characters, or eventually I got more comfortable playing characters that are a little more in depth. Initially, I played a lot of short support characters who will come in the scene a little bit and then get out very quickly. But later on, as I get more comfortable, I felt I was able to. Play characters that are more sustained and more depth. So just playing with my my favorite people helps me to truly just let it go a little bit. Don't worry too much about you know how I look and just play. What kind of characters do you like to play? I like to play characters that are real and complex.、Um, and by that I mean I don't want to play characters that that goes for one liner laughs. I I wanted to. Capture something that's real, including some of the moments that you know, people don't necessarily want to talk about. There was one particular class where the setup was: there were two people who turned out to be parents, and they had a son that they didn't want to talk about, and they even moved out of their old house across the country to the west coast of United States. And I was watching that. I was thinking, okay, what could the son have done? That made the parents so mad. Like the the parents wouldn't want to acknowledge. I got into the scene and I just decided that okay, perhaps this person was involved in some cult. Now I have done quite a lot of reading in cults, like experience of people in cults and how they move out of it, what it takes for them to move out of. It. So I was able to channel some of the details to create a character that's real. Emotionally real, rather than trying to punch down on them, really capture some of the details of their experience. And this is a type of work I like to do. You know, play real people and play real complexities in their lives. Well, tell me more about the scene. I'm on the edge of my seat. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's、uh, it's it, it, it was fun. I, I I basically you have to you have to stay on. I, well, I had to stay on my perspective. That I didn't think my character didn't think that what he was doing was involving a cult. It because my character believed that you know he was lonely and he was looking for some community, and that was the reason he joined the cult, and that was the reason he believed that he was doing the right thing by going back home and trying to basically recruit his parents. And I had to stay on that emotional edge. I had to say this is how I felt. But I I'm also open to being changed if my scene partner wants to do that, and eventually I was changed. But it took a while, and it took a lot of interactions between different characters for my character to change.、Um, and when that happened, I felt there's some weight to that, rather than you know, oh, I I was this, and then I become something different. To me, it was sounding like that you were really doing an excellent job of building on your partners. Ideas in that scene is that the the area of the three rules that you feel like you've done the most growth 
And again, the three are be spontaneous, make your partner look good, build on your partner's ideas. Which of the three do you feel like you've grown the most in? For me, it's actually the first one. I would say be present. Uh, that's that was the terminology I like to use. And the reason for that is I typically want to help my partner. Like this is my general inclinations. Like I, I want to be a team player. But sometimes what is stopping me from doing that is that I'm not here. I'm in my head or I'm worried about something, how, like how I look. And that sometimes just blocks me from really making my partner look good or building on what they're doing. So once I am able to let go of that and be really be present in this body right here, I feel like I'm more able to work with other people and, and to support my partners. And learning to be present is not that easy. Um, sometimes I have to clear out space for myself. And then sometimes I was able to, to be present. And, and when that happens, typically it's easier to play. It is easier to experience joy and connect with my same partner, even through Zoom on, online. Have you worked in or taken a theater class prior to Leela or Synergy Theater? My first improv class was taken, it's a university class. It was, I took that class because I took a storytelling class before it. And I really, I liked the teacher. So I just ended up taking whatever he was teaching the next class, which turned out to be an improv class. Um, that's how I got into it. And how are you going to use what you're learning now creatively in the future? Mm, I want to, I think this is a, great type of exercise to learn to connect with people in real life. And that's basically how I want to use it. I personally don't care as much on performance per se. Um, I learned this is a hobby and, and I enjoy performing, but that's not my main purpose. I, I, I do believe that this is helping me to learn to connect with other people in a more meaningful way. And the lessons I'm learning, um, uh, I think it is helpful. So I think that's where I will be going. What do you like about improvising with Geraldine? I feel like um, we're we're on kind of on similar wavelengths. So it's I, I think sometimes I, I can sense where she's she wants to go, where she's going, and that makes it a little bit easier for me to support. You know, I I, I don't have to make wild guesses as which can happen sometimes when playing with other people. And Jolene is also a very supportive player. So sometimes I will play a character that uh, like I don't have a very good grip on, like who is this person? But then she comes with offers that just immediately establish, okay, what what's happening between us? Like what is the emotional connection between us? And then I can just keep building on that. So I trust her in, in scenes. So that I think makes things a lot easier because I know that if, if I am not very quick on the spot, I'm, she's going to have my back. I, I really enjoy that when we're doing the dual work together. Geraldine, what do you like about improvising with Wong? Wong has a, such a big heart and he's so empathetic as a human being and really feels people. And I think it comes out in his scene work where he plays the most beautiful, real characters. 
And like sometimes they're not very sympathetic characters. They can be people who, you know, just won't get a job, but for some reason he makes them very likable. It's really, really fun to be in a scene with Wong. I just feel like I'm home. It's really comfortable. Um, like there's a like he said, there's a similar wavelength. And we both will go to like real emotions and real things because that's what we enjoy doing. But also, I always feel like he's supporting me and a little bit like I stretch myself more improvise when I play with Wong. So that's really, really cool because we are on a similar wavelength, but we come from different um, backgrounds and that can make our scene work juicy, <laughs> like really fun. <laughs> Just really lovely. I love playing with him. He's one of my favorite, favorite, favorite improvisers to play with. What would you say to someone who wanted to experience what you and Wong have experienced in improv, but haven't taken a class yet? What would you say to them? I would say try drop-ins at different theaters and see which one feels like the right one for you. And just have fun. Really have fun. If you're not having fun, you're not at the right theater. Um, I want to build on that. Let me say, put it this way. Um, sometimes we may get into a theater and take a class and we didn't like it. And sometimes it's not our fault. It's very likely because of the teacher or perhaps because of the people in the class. This is particularly true for for people of color and gender minorities uh, in, a, in a very homogeneous class that's you know either all men or all white. It doesn't always happen, but sometimes it can get uncomfortable. I have been in that place before, and I heard women being in all male classes sharing that experience. So just understand that you know you don't have to put yourself in a position that makes you uncomfortable. If you feel uncomfortable, then, then don't be there. Find a different place. There are good theaters that are focusing on making, creating safe spaces for their students. I agree that... The safe space is absolutely integral to creativity. Also, I was going to like say, I started improv in my 40s. If you're treated like differently because you're older or, or, or a person of color or somebody who's trans or somebody who's anything that like is not considered the meme, whatever, you're not in the right place if you're not comfortable because the best part about improv to me has always been being inclusive. And I, I have been in all male classes and I, I like that theaters at the moment are really pushing boundaries with diversity and tackling like the fact that there is ageism and there is racism and there is homophobia and there is all these things out there. And, and like the, there's, there's a movement at the moment by a lot of theatres to actually work on how they can make it better. Uh, a lot of theatres are working on scholarships and things for people who would not normally get to be part of the theatre. And I think that's a very positive thing. But I also think when you come from another country, you shouldn't have to change everything about yourself to fit into an improv class. And if you ever feel like that, then you're also in the wrong improv class. The first thing you learn is that you're enough and your experience is enough. 
and your references are enough and the names that you use from your life are enough and it doesn't have to be all what what everybody else happens to have in common because what's unique about everybody is what they bring to the table yeah i agree i agree with everything joding says after all like people are paying money to take those classes right so it's important that you know we're 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 taking these classes for what they are. You know, learning important stuff, having fun, playing with other, really connecting with each other. And and generally, I I think for some theaters they need to do a better job, and for other theaters I think they are doing a great job. And the people I am playing with in Ken's class is just、uh, it's really lovely to be in a space. I feel like I'm safe here. Uh, and I can be pushed to challenge myself, but that's different from feeling unsafe. I can leave that and come to the community that I feel I belong to. Like Wang said, if we take the time to be present, there's a lot that we can learn from each other, especially in a safe place. Am I echoing what you guys are saying? I I, I think it's important to feel safe, and it's important to feel that. You can be who you are, and that you don't have to mold yourself to be who everyone else are the majority are. I think that's the biggest part, and that's、um, what Wang said about our our Friday class with Ken. Is one of the things I love about it is it's diverse in every way possible. <laughs> And I love that. And the scene work that we do, because everyone is bringing something different to everyone else's experience, is amazing. It creates just wonderful artistry when you bring voices from different backgrounds all together, and everyone accepts. Thank you again, both, for this conversation. It's it's been so much fun. Is there anything else that you want to talk about before we play? Before you play.、Uh, Our improv game. Oh, I'd like to ask Wang a question. Of course, please. please do. What is the moment in improv that made you laugh the most?、Uh, I laugh with other people. So what I mean by that is,、um, if I hear other people laughing, and if I like those people, which happen a lot in improv settings, I tend to laugh more, even though. What I'm laughing at isn't necessarily funny by you know a conventional measure. So when I go to a, a real physical theater and I sit in the audience, I watch somebody perform and everybody was laughing. I and I feel a genuine tendency to laugh, not just laughing along with other people. I really enjoyed. I really laughed.、Um, so for me, laughter is a community. I laugh with other people and I really enjoy laughing with other people. If you were to design a class, the two of you, I'm putting you in charge, an improv <laughs> class. <laughs> What would it be like? Let's start with beginners. Geraldine, you want to go first? I would definitely play a name game so people got、mm-hmm. to know each other. I would definitely play the game where somebody says, "I I drink tea," and everybody who drinks tea stands in the same part of the room with them, and then do something crazy like zombie tag. <laughs> Just something really fun, and then give them a slightly longer break so they can giggle and laugh together. So the energy will be even higher for the second half. And Wang, yeah, find something that can make people laugh. I guess、uh, some silly stuff. There was this kind of tongue twister thing that, and you are not allowed to laugh in that exercise, which make it even funnier. I think it's something like. 
uh, what's it called? Mr. Uh, Whiskers. Mr. Whiskers. Yeah, Mr. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. We were thinking about the same thing. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Mr. Whiskers. I heard that one. <laughs> right. Yes, that one makes me laugh. I, I even talking about it, so I'm with you. That's a brilliant game. <laughs> right. So, if the two of you were running a, a beginner's improv class, there would be laughter. How would you also help your students feel safe? Uh, some boundary setting definitely, and make sure to use pronouns um, like stated correctly. And and sometimes you, you do need to check in with people. You know if if what what people are okay or not okay with playing during a particular day. You know I, I think that's important. Yeah, I agree with Wang. I mean, setting boundaries. One of my favorite things in a uh, dropping class was somebody saying, "Don't say anything that you wouldn't want your grandmother to hear." I quite like that one. That's good. What else would you say? I I would say that this is a safe space. Uh, we're here to support each other. Let's really cheer for each other. Because I think part of supporting is applause. So we're going to applaud like crazy for everybody because that's something that, you know, really builds energy. But it also makes everyone feel good. If you have people up doing exercises and everyone's cheering, clapping, it makes it less daunting when it's your turn because you know that you're going to get a positive response. So I think that's really important as well. So, Wang, I have a question for you. Uh, right just off the top of your head, what is a major thing that you've learned in this masterclass with Ken? <laughs> Be concise. <laughs> I am not always that, <laughs> but it's just use the most economic way to convey the most impact. Geraldine? Build your environment, because I think we forget to do that, especially on Zoom. Mm -hmm. Also, like if you just want to say that Ken is probably one of the kindest and very diplomatic teachers I have ever had. So if you, I mean, I feel like he could be held up as an example. If you want to learn how to teach people, go take his class because he's amazing. Yes. Okay. Are you guys ready to play a, a game? And this is one that I'm sure you have played before, but maybe never I exactly like this. Um, it's the word of the time story. I can give you a title if that works for you. And then you guys just go. Um, no rush. And when it's complete, one of you can say the end. Does that work for you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's see. Oh, I'm going to be spontaneous. I'm looking around my environment here and I'm going to come up with a title for you. And it is The Owl and the Star. Mm -hmm. Oh, so the word at a time story is when we go back and forth and one person can start a story and say once and then the other person says there and then the other person says was and then the other person says a it's word at a time story. Um, there is a version where you can repeat the whole thing. Um, personally, that's very taxing on my memory. So I prefer the non-repeating. Okay. Hey, you, if you guys can do that, uh -uh. go for it. But I, <laughs> no. I can do it. Listen, guys, I could do it for like, I get like maybe a third of the way through the story. And then, then it's just, just, I, I can't do it. It, it. I can't, I can't do it. Either version is it's fine. It's Wong's choice. Wong's okay. choice. I didn't say I want to do. <laughs> I I have done. <laughs> I have done it, and I did not think my memory. 
not, it's not a very confident feeling. <laughs> so, I, I'm sorry, Wong. Um, one. Yeah, let's do the. Oh, oh you're starting. You just okay. So no repeats. No repeats. Okay. Okay. Ready? The owl and the star. One. There. Was. A. Fluffy. Owl. Named. Dobby. MacDub. She. Flew. To. The. Forest. Every day. One. Day. She. Saw. Light. In. The. Distance. She. Worried. That. Someone. Was. Hurt. So. She. Flew. To. The. Hot. To. Help. She. Found. A. Baby. Lying. Alone. She. Wrapped. Wings. Around. Baby. And. She. Kept. The. Baby. In. Side. <laughs> Her. Wings. The. Baby. Woke. And. She. Smiled. Beautifully. At. Dobby. The. Eyes. Were. Like. Sky. Dobby. Was. Happy. And. Grateful. To. The. Baby. How about we just stop there? That was beautiful. The Owl and the Star by Geraldine and Wong. <laughs> applause, 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 applause. <laughs> Thank you, Sarah. Thank it, you. It's been Thank you. A pleasure. Thank you both so very much again for taking the time. You guys are awesome. <laughs> I, I hope that I get the opportunity to improv with you someday very soon. And um, you're both very inspiring to me and I know to anyone who will listen to this. Thank you. And that's our show. If you think improv sounds like fun, it is. If you think you'd like to try improv, it's easy. Just go to SynergyTheater.com and click on School of Improv. Synergy Theater offers beginner, advanced, and master classes. Synergy Theater is also on Facebook. Please rate, review, and follow this podcast. Your support makes a difference. Synergy Theater is a 501c3 tax-deductible nonprofit that depends on the participation of current and future star supporters and improvisers like you. Thank you. <laughs>